fear is not real. <laughs> Let's restart that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait. I was going to go with the yeah, other go. one. I was going to put it. I'll tack it on the end. Reviews are not real. They're products of thoughts you create. Now, do not misunderstand me. Movies are very real. But reviews are a choice. With a twist. <laughs> Listeners, welcome back to Last Film Standing episode number 119, your conversational movie review and news podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Jones, and joining me, hurting his elbow, approaching new horizons, hiding his forehead, ghosting, spying on us if we spy on him, and watching us closely. The man known only as Z. And we are coming to you <laughs> recorded live June 4th, 2013 from Brooklyn, New York. On today's show, we will be talking about recent releases, Epic, The Hangover, Part 3, Fast and Furious 6, After Earth, The East, and Now You See Me. Yes, and um, we'll also be discussing this week's Plugs of the Week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you just joining us, uh, last film standing for the very first time, to be a part of the show, you can tweet at and follow myself on Twitter at Lamar Diablo. You can follow Zed here at Last Z Standing. And you can email us at feedback at lastfilmstanding.com and write on our Facebook fan page wall at facebook.com slash lastfilmstanding. And so, listeners, without further ado, let's, let's go, go to, to the, the movies. movies. All right. Yeah, so um, the first movie we'll be discussing today, uh, animated movie called Epic. Uh, is it epic or is it not? Uh, made $33 million, which is not epic by any stretch of the imagination for the animated films um, lately. And it's a story of a teenager who finds herself transported to a deep forest uh, setting where a battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil are taking place. Or it's taking place. The battle is taking place, not <laughs> battle are taking place. Uh, anyways, um, it was directed by Chris Wedge, who uh, whose previous credits are Ice Age and Robots. And it's starring Amanda Seyfried, Josh Hutcherson, Beyonce Knowles, uh, and uh, Colin Farrell and uh, Christoph Waltz. Um, it was written by James V. Hart, who uh, also wrote Hook, Dracula, and Contact. Uh, William Joyce, um, who wrote Rise of the Guardians and Meet the Robinsons. Uh, Daniel, um, Daniel Scher, uh, who wrote uh, George Lucas in Love and We Are Family. Tom J. Astle and Matt Ember, who wrote Get Smart and Failure <laughs> to Launch. Talk about writing by committee. Uh, so so this, uh, this film um, really had a cool trailer. And I think it's mostly really thanks uh, to the awesome, cool, awesome, cool song that just kind <laughs> of like gives you this sense of actually something epic, you know, along with the name. And it seemed pretty interesting. I didn't have a chance to see it, um, but I was just curious. Does it, you know, I guess the obvious question is, does it live up to the to the 
billing of being epic, but how does it kind of, um, I always was interested and I, I liked this whole idea of, you know, small world, um, you know, or sort of people living in, in this giant uh, version <laughs> of the world. Um, how did that kind of turn out? Did it uh, sort of reach these epic proportions or, you know? Well, uh, to that point specifically, actually, um, I actually thought the marketing for this movie was awful. Uh, there's something about it that just really kept me at arm's length. And what actually finally convinced me to go watch this movie, um, I've been reading a lot about uh, directors of photography and cinematographers actually consulting on um, animated films, basically because animated filmmakers really want to uh, capture lighting and weight and just different camera angles and basically try to translate real-world filmmaking as much as possible into the animated world but using animated techniques to kind of augment that and one of the things Chris Wedge the director here specifically talked about was he was like you know we think of ourselves as living inside of normal speed um, and he said the he sort of got this idea of, you know, we are, you know, six feet tall, uh, but then you have these characters who are basically two inches tall, and he thought long and hard about how do you juxtapose the two. And so what he ended up doing was, when it's from the perspective of the tiny people, we're moving in slow motion, and then when we are kind of looking at what they're doing, they kind of move like hummingbirds a little bit faster. And he yeah. talked a lot about how he shot that, quote-unquote, with slowing things down, sound design, uh, how water, the way that we see water is very, very like loose and fluid, whereas in their world, it's very almost like molasses kind of thing. And so hearing mm. all of that, I was like, you know, that's really cool. Like, let me go watch this movie to kind of see like how that plays out on screen. And it plays out really, really well. Cool. Um, it's, it's kind of an awesome movie to that regard where we have a lot of animated movies that are either... Um, kind of off the shelf, just, hey, we'll make money because we're an animated movie. You have the mid-level ones that are sort of, um, I don't want to just say like only DreamWorks or Sony Pictures movies, but the movies that are good, they have solid openings, uh, the kids love them, they do well on DVD and such, uh, and then you kind of have the other tier, which is Pixar, which people, I think, just as a blanket statement when they realize Pixar, Disney are involved, they just go watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, they they've often been considered to be at a yeah quite a different level, sort of a film of a animated movie making, and yeah. they've kind of fallen off a little bit lately, like with some of their um, features. Yeah. But Brave definitely being a misstep, and then now I, see, I disagree. I don't think necessarily Brave was a misstep. I actually enjoyed it, especially also because it's an original concept. Um, I think sort of their Cars franchise is a bit weak, and then they what did the whole planes for some yeah, reason, and I think that out, kind of I think. Yeah, yeah, that's coming out. So they're kind of continuing that direction, and I, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan because um, I think that one is too geared towards the kids. It doesn't really kind of reach that level of, you know, being for both kids and their parents. Well, the thing, too, is I feel like with the Cars and Planes franchise, uh, the merchandising obviously did really, really well, and it just feels like they want to make another movie so they can make more toys instead of what they kind of founded their entire brand on, which is just great storytelling. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, you know, with, with Toy Story and, you know, further on with Up and 
films like that. But then uh, going back to this, um, you know, one of the failures, I think, uh, sometimes uh, that I found, for example, even on uh, the secret world of Arietti, um, was that they didn't really play enough with this whole, like, size difference and, and, you know, how, like, you know, things that we don't consider, you know, anything become, like, these huge things. Um, and I f feel like they did a little bit in that movie, but not enough. How how did that play in Epic? Did they uh, uh, nail that outside of that sort of the speed uh, difference as you were yeah, talking about? Yeah, I mean, um, they definitely, there's that uh, detail. There's the water detail. The one detail that actually uh, comes across um, really cool is when you think of, you know, like smaller objects and you drop them from really high uh Places, they don't tend to break, but if you have something that's a little bit bigger and you drop it from the same uh, distance, it basically like shatters kind of thing. And there's a scene um, where basically sort of the main character, uh, they call them stompers, uh, the humans, um, basically get shrunk down, uh, which is like the girl that's kind of in the movie. Um, she basically has that um, very, very concise and super efficient, uh, like Morpheus moment where um, this guy that's kind of like with her and kind of trying to basically teach her the ways of what's happening is basically like they, they fall into this hole and he's like, jump out. And so he jumps, which would probably be like 50 of their feet into the air and kind of jumps out of the hole. And she's just like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not, you know, I can't jump 50 feet. And he's like, jump. And so she like jumps. And she jumps 50 feet and then she like hits her head and knocks herself out and like he just rolls his eyes. And it's like a nice little like comedic thing where they show her through the story getting used to, oh, okay, so I can jump really high. I can fall from like huge distances um, and just like things like leaves that like act as shields and riding birds and even like um, the sound quality of just like, um, as I mentioned before, like when they're riding birds, just that really, really thick sound that you would normally see in like a movie that has like pterodactyls or something like that. Like it's just every little detail, uh, including this truck driving by, is just really, really like, just has a <laughs> lot of attention being paid to it, um, which is really awesome. Um, and it's just, just as a whole, the movie, uh, just great storytelling, very, very imaginative. Uh, and has, I would say it's not as funny as most of these movies are, but when they do go for a joke, it is really, really funny. Okay, so it's it's more like they don't they go for uh, it's almost quality more of a, versus quantity. Yeah, of jokes. it's almost yeah, exactly. It's that it's a uh, much more of a drama, I would say, uh, with you know comedic elements in it. Um, they have the nice story between this father and uh, daughter going on. Um, it's a very cool. It's a very cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I've heard some mixed reviews about this film that it didn't quite live up to uh, to the expectations. Or yeah, the and I think it is actually so. based on, um, I think I was it, for some reason I feel like it's loosely based or inspired by a book that's similar, that has like things to do with people that are like living in like the forest, um, mm. kind of out of sight sort of thing. Okay. Well, there's there's all there's that book uh, about the borrowers, and, and that's what the secret world of Arietti was based on but um yeah anyways but uh how did you uh end up rating this film yeah uh i think i would actually give this um kind of a three and a half to maybe even a four um probably four i think this movie uh and again like sort of got 
supplement it with some of the stuff that I read beforehand and then even afterwards where um, he basically kind of in on you know articulated what uh, a friend of mine in Atlanta have been saying for the last 10 15 years where he was like you know like I hate that we live in America and as soon as you say animated or cartoon everyone assumes it's for kids and he's just like I think animation is a really fantastic opportunity to tell these really kind of adult themed stories but inside of these like fantastical worlds and things like that um and because yeah, there's still a lot of stuff that we can't recreate yeah and that's what uh individually. i will never forget uh i think robert zemeckis it might not have been him i Even feel like we're getting there now with the cgi really yeah pretty amazing yeah. at this point um, you could really do something like this and a whole green screen thing like some sci-fi films are done yeah um I think, uh, no, I was going to say, I think Zemeckis directed Beowulf. I could be wrong about yes, that. But, yes, uh, he did. But he basically, um, I remember the screenwriters were doing an interview and they were saying um, they wrote like this like whole like dragon sequence and it was supposed to be this ridiculous thing and they basically were just like, oh man, like Robert's going to be really upset with us because he's like, this is going to be really expensive. And Zemeckis basically was like, with animation, it would be the exact same price if we just animated someone sitting in a chair for 10 minutes versus having them do like, fighting a dragon and like this all out kind of thing for 10 minutes he's just like just write whatever you want as long as it like fits in the story it's fine yeah yeah i mean i i th i found that was an interesting choice really to make that film uh to make Beowulf wolf um animated um i wonder if that was um part of his attempt to to reclaim the animation spectrum for the adults yeah a little bit more Beowulf. Yeah. All right. So, next up, we have The Hangover Part 3. Uh, pulled in 41 point, or just 41 plus million. Um, and this time, there's no wedding. There's no bachelor party. What could go wrong, right? But when the wolf pack hits the road, all bets are off. See what they did there, listeners? See what they did there? All bets are off. It is directed by Todd Phillips, who's responsible for Old School, The Hangover Series, and Due Date. Stars Bradley Cooper, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms, and Justin Bartha. And then it is also uh, written by Todd Phillips, who wrote School for Scoundrels, Borat, and Starsky and Hutch, as well as Craig Mazin, who is responsible for Scary Movie 4, Identity Thief, and Scary Movie 3. And then the... Uh, film itself is based on characters created by John Lucas and Scott Moore. So I think, you know, calling back to what, uh, you know, we've said in previous podcasts over the last couple of years here, uh, I myself was not a huge fan of the first one. I think you were mostly like you enjoyed the first one pretty much. Yeah, yeah I liked the first one. And then the second one comes out, and I, not liking the first one, or actually I would say I thought the first one was okay, it was just overrated. I saw it late. I saw it like a month after it came out. Thought the second one was kind of pointless because it was the same movie. How are you feeling about the second one? Yeah, about the same. I, I felt it was kind of, all right, why are we doing this again? <laughs> so but then, I mean, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a bad movie. I just thought it was kind of like okay, so we've kind of seen this whole thing before, and I also thought that they gave away too much with yeah. the trailers and stuff. So like the shock value of some yeah. of the jokes that they had was just gone. So then Todd Phillips says he's going to do one last one. He's going to tie up the trilogy for the Wolf Pack. Uh, 
as far as trilogies go, how would you say this rates amongst, you know, we really haven't had that many trilogies. There's either you know, been... I, I have know. to say as far as like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, looking, what are we comparing it to the Batman <laughs> trilogy? Um, I have to say, you know, overall, it was okay. Um, you know, if you, if you watch the first one, it was kind of a fun movie. It, I, I feel like maybe for you, because you heard everybody rave yeah. so much about it, and then all of a sudden, like, you saw it, and you were like, okay, well, everybody was saying it's the best thing ever, and now I saw it, it's not the best thing ever. Maybe yeah. that expectation inflated yeah. what uh, it was supposed to be. But um, I, um, I overall thought it... It was. It's an entertaining. It's a pretty entertaining trilogy. Um, this movie is entertaining. It is um, <laughs> not a great movie. It's not like oh, this is the best in the trilogy. It's kind of like you're watching these guys, and they do throw in a lot of little things from uh, previous movies and little jokes and callbacks and stuff like that. So. I don't know. As far as comedies go, it wasn't bad. Um, it was entertaining, but it wasn't like um, I didn't find it like laugh out loud funny. Um, I, you know, it, it's 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 a tough film to sort of judge um, really detailed. You know, um, I don't know. It's just there. It's okay. If you're a fan of the first two, um, I, I can't say that you love this one. If you, <laughs> it, it really just depends on what you really liked about the first two. If it's the characters that you liked, sure, you'll enjoy this because it, it kind of wraps them up and, and you know just adds a few more touches to them and makes some jokes and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, I, I think part of what really uh, gets me a little bit um, pushed out of it is um, the extent to which uh, Ken Jeong is featured. And I think maybe that was part of it on the second film, too. Um, I, I find that I, um, you know, I'm just not attracted to that style of humor that he has kind of brought with him. <laughs> and um, I just find it a little gimmicky and it worked okay in the beginning when it was just like oh here and there but now like uh then all of a sudden he was everywhere and it was just like you could hardly see a movie without ken jong in it uh doing basically the same character in every single movie and um so you know it kind of gets a little tiresome for me in that way um it's clearly a completely different story. Yeah. So it's not just it. like that. Yeah. Um, that same kind of storyline. It's just, you know, them going and running into some of the fallout of the previous two films, I guess, or mostly of the first film. Um, and, and so, I don't know. It, it might be a kind of nice sort of trip back for some of the people uh, who are kind of watching it and they might enjoy especially that last sequence uh at the very end that kind of calls back the <laughs> the previous films well the thing that was sort of uh i thought disappointing with this movie is that i think in the first movie there was a genuine 
chemistry and sort of camaraderie between the four of them. And then when they kind of are kicked off on this journey of how we need to find like our fourth member, uh, it was just kind of, it felt like you and your friends, you know, your archetypical friends could be in that position. That movie was fantastical as far as like what ultimately kind of happens to them. But it was like, oh, that could happen to like guys I know kind of thing. And with the second one, they kind of like pushed it a little bit. And then when they went, a little bit too far with it. Again, I kind of felt they lost the characters. And then in this one, Bradley Cooper, like, doesn't really, like, he kind of, like, felt like he was obligated into this movie because he doesn't mm-hmm. really do a whole lot. And then same thing with Justin Bartha, who was just like, oh, okay, how long am I in the movie? Oh, okay, like, cool, like, I'll be in it. And then it's more or less the Zach Galifianakis show. And I think if you think he's really funny, then you'll enjoy this yeah. movie. And you probably enjoyed all three, but if you are kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, he's entertaining, he's watchable, what else you got? It just kind of, there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah, it's kind of uh, him and Ken Jeong. Yeah. And, you know, everybody else kind of uh, plays around that, um, kind of supports them, basically. Um, I don't know. So, to me, um, so overall, I guess, how would you rate this? And, and, it's kind of tough, you know. It's kind of tough <laughs> to rate uh, this movie on its own. We might have to like kind of uh, throw in a rating for the trilogy as it's as it's uh, as a whole. Yeah, I mean, uh, individually, I would probably say this movie uh, is probably a two and a half to three. Um, I would say the trilogy, um, and a lot of it is just kind of based on the ideas, I would probably say is a three to a three and a half. Um, I think the premise of the entire trilogy in the first movie is cool, and I think, like, had this movie just played out differently with these four characters and maybe even, like, had the same kickoff point and had the same conclusion, um, it might have worked kind of thing, but... Everything about this movie just kind of felt like this is our apology for the second one. Almost like Ocean's 13 was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. 12 was really not a great movie, whereas the first one was really, really fun. And so I was like, here's 13 to be like, okay, this is a movie we should have made. All right, now we're out. Like, And I kind of yeah. felt like that's how 3 should have been. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me also here, it, it feels kind of like... Um, Honestly, yeah, I, I guess the, that's the problem. If you have a successful movie, there's going to be, you know, you're going to be pushed to do a sequel or someone else is just going to do it yeah. for you, you know, and that's the problem. Um, I would say for me, the first one was really good. You know, I would say the first one was almost like three and a half to four stars just because I thought it was really entertaining. It kind of um, had this whole like fun concept and it was cool. Um but then, you know, you just kind of went too long with it. And uh, while I enjoy some of the characters, um, I'm really not, um, you know, just blown away by this. So I, I would agree with you on, on the rating as far as this one alone standing, maybe like two and a half. Um, trilogy as a whole, I'd say three maybe um, at most. Um but as I said, like the first one, I think if you just single that out, um, it's kind of like I 
like how I felt about the Matrix, and maybe I'll review uh, rewatch that to see because you always say that the second two films are better than one sort of anticipate or expects or whatever. Um, um, but for this, um, yeah, you know, overall, just maybe like a two and a half stars. Um, it's it's not a terrible movie. It's not bad. It doesn't have like you know holes in it or whatever it is what it is it's somewhat entertaining and it just depends on if you like that kind of humor or not yeah it's a it's a straight to dvd movie that has a cast that put it in theaters is what it feels like basically yeah and the name yeah that put it in theaters yeah Yeah. and then you know then (laughs) there was uh um double trilogy Yes. If we can call it that, maybe. <laughs> Fast and Furious 6. Um, I think it just, at some point, uh, the, the title just says Furious, Furious 6. six. Yeah. Uh, so it was like Fast 5 and now we got Furious 6. Maybe they should have just left the Furious 6. Um, it made $96 million in its opening weekend. And the synopsis is that Hobbs has Dom and Brian... Uh, reassembled their crew in order to take down a mastermind who commands an organization of mercenary drivers across 12 countries. Uh, it was directed by Justin Lin, who directed the Fast and Furious series from 3rd to the 5th, uh, and also clearly this one, Annapolis, and um, Better Luck Tomorrow. And uh, it's all it's starring, you know, the usual uh, gang of characters. You got Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Dwayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez makes a return. Uh, Jordana Brewster uh, has her a couple of minutes in um, Tyrese Gibson, Sung Kang, uh, Gal Gadot. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, it's got Ludacris. Uh, Luke Evans and Gina Carano um and it's written by Chris Morgan who wrote Wanted and Cellular. So um this film um you know looking at the trailers it seems like this over the top hyped uh you know chaos uh car chases uh and uh all out balls to the wall <laughs> action um spectacular how does it live up to the expectations uh i definitely have to say that fast and furious may be not just the franchise of our generation <laughs> you mean the, the star, star wars, wars of, of our, our generation, generation. <laughs> it, is, it is the matrix and the star wars of our generation uh <laughs> except the matrix is the matrix of our generation yes the matrix is the matrix of our generation um this movie is just really really like fun and you really can't say that about a lot of other movies uh and one of the things that i read um i was really like digging for this article that, that's of course in assuming that you you can release your hold on the laws of a uh, physics as will, they exist in our world. I will absolutely agree with you in this movie versus five. Because, oh, listen, because, listen. because the- we don't have to rehash that. <laughs> they would have been dead in five. This movie would have never happened. In, in but, five, five was But plausible. now I understand. Yeah. Now I understand why they survived in five. 
because already there, the laws of physics has, have started <laughs> changing uh, in that parallel universe that they live in. See, in five, plausible. In this, it would have been plausible had they not have no. so so easily like over the top easily walked away from it like it was just like okay this is like i was like all right this is crazy and then it's just like boom and then it was just like oh wow that happened and then they like brush off their shoulder i was like what just what did we just watch <laughs> like it was like such Wait, a perfect build i'll break down yeah. a couple of uh, moments throughout the film but no, yeah. no go ahead Sorry. but i was just like oh that was okay though and then of course the plane i was just like how long is this run like what in the world i was like they've been on this yeah exactly my thought but Outside of that, though, like um, I, I really wish I could have, uh, I would have bookmarked this article um, and tweeted it out. But this guy um, basically broke down that he was like Fast and Furious Six. He's like, I can't believe I'm going to say this is the most well executed and written script of like the last like ten or fifteen years. And the reasoning he gave for it was because he's like, when you look at movies now, they're so over the top and simple. Uh, with sequels and such, where he's just like, it's just this happens and then this happens and then this happens. This character says this, this character says this, and he's like, the way that Justin Lin um, was able to, you know, from Tokyo Drift, paint out this thing where, okay, here are all these characters, this is how they're going to keep growing through each and um, subsequent, like, episode of this, you know, basically it's like a really, really high-budget TV series, um, what these characters are going to be like and how do we kind of advance them and give them their own screen time. One of the complaints I had about Star Trek Into Darkness uh, is perfectly executed in Fast and Furious 6 where I felt like all the characters um, had a moment that you knew who they were, they were clearly defined, they had their part in the story, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, this, this, this franchise has become pretty much, you know, synonymous with car action and these movies never cease to kind of they, they always slightly one up you know the previous movies um as they've been going forward um there's an awesome sort of quote-unquote misdirection moment which even i was kind of shocked because i didn't really care but i was like oh well played <laughs> i know too yeah and i was just like i wasn't expecting that and i was like cool and then uh you know just like, almost gratuitous yeah but it's like Oh, well, let's throw in the twist. Yeah, there. it was like a nice, like, it's like the way that, like, melodrama is really well executed. Like, it was kind of like, you almost could have heard the dun, 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 and you would have been like, oh. <laughs> well, you, yeah. should, you should have heard the audience <laughs> in the movie theater. Yeah, and that was that's what was, was great, like, too. What? Yeah, like, everyone, like, really, really, like, kind of got into it. There's a lot of clapping, a lot of, you know, just, like, just, just cool commentary. Um, and then what has also kind of become sort of a staple of uh, the series, too, is the sort of end of the credits uh like stinger thing and um you know the last couple movies have been awesome and this one um i won't even reveal the uh the actor but i just remember there's like the scene the very very yeah. sort of end and then like you're kind of watching footsteps and i was like oh i wonder who this would have to be in order for this to be like cool and then you see it and everyone just goes oh shit and then it yep. just like ends and i was like yes yeah. yes <laughs> yeah so um Totally agree with sort of your points. Uh, it, there's just, you know, the film, basically, as I said, if you can s let go of that whole instinct that pulls you to say <laughs> that's not real. Um, I, I think, honestly, though, there was there was a couple of spots where and, and this is now like now we're breaking down, you know, like little <laughs> details that I think yeah. actually would have made this film like just 
so much better. Like, you know, just that little notch that, that you would have said, okay, well, those stupid moments have kind of, like, let go. And we're, I'm not even talking about the, you know, scene at the very end where it's the world's longest runway that probably runs, you know, from, I don't know, maybe New York to L.A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, like, at the very end, they have that whole, like, scene where they're you know with the airplane and all of this stuff and they're driving down this runway for like 15 minutes or so at a good basically and and like like... yeah i mean we're (laughs) we're talking about like plane takeoff landing speed you know which i mean i don't know let's just assume it's like 200 miles an hour which is the fact that these cars can drive 200 miles an hour whatever (laughs) but um you know they're just driving down at like 15 for 15 minutes or so. And I'm just like, at some point I was like, how long is this? Ah, fuck it. Yeah. I just don't care. I, you know, <laughs> let me just watch this whole like thing. Yeah. And, um, but there was a scene actually before that, that really did bother me. And, and it actually does go back to that whole thing where you said like how they walked away from it. Yeah. And, um, there's sort of that scene, and I'm just gonna describe it in rough terms so we don't give it, give I guess too much away. And it's the <laughs> moment where where uh, we kind of see it, I think, in a trailer, um, where he slams his car into the side of the road and like goes flying yeah. to, you know, catch the person. And um, there's a line. Well, first, you know. Um, Here's a guy who flies through the air at, let's say, a fairly reasonable speed um, and lands on a car and basically gets up and, you know, it's like, okay, like absolutely not even a scratch on him. He didn't even like go, you know, like touch his back as far as like, oh, shit, that hurt. Um, And then there's a line (laughs) later that says... How did you know there would be a car to break our fall? And I thought, did I really just hear them say that? Did they? Did somebody write that line and they <laughs> and it went through all the rewrites and somebody said, you know, that's actually a pretty good line. Let's just leave it in because we can't come up with anything better than this. I, it, I mean. You know, it's kind of like, That's, oh, how uh, how did you know there was going to be pavement to break my fall from this airplane? It's just <laughs> it'll, one it'll of always the be better worst than, lines do you know, ever. Now, do you, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same Every, thing. Everybody everybody ever. gets quiet. They get ready for the greatest punchline <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Wait, what was that from? X Men. <laughs> Same thing that yeah. happens to everything else. And then everyone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a pretty terrible line. But this is a really, really bad line. And, you know, I think they, they could have just... I think it would have been so much more impactful, even for the characters, the who they are and everything, if that moment had taken much more toll on Dom character. Yeah. And if that, you know, like, line would have, you know, just not existed. Or been like, you know, like, wow, I can't believe you just did that or something, yeah. you know, anything like that. <laughs> you know, that, that was just, it was pointless. It was 
just a stupid line. So that mm-hmm. that line kind of stuck out in my mind, honestly. But this is nitpicking. I mean, we're yeah. we're talking about a single line or like a single moment of action and in keep, in a entire movie. And this is Fast and Furious that just all this craziness happens. Yeah, I was saying keeping um, in mind that this is Fast and the Furious Six. <laughs> I know, right? The sixth movie. And yeah. you know what's <clears throat> interesting? I feel like these movies are getting better. Because yeah, the, yeah. I, I feel like they're kind of dropping that whole pretense of like, you know, we're going to like do this. They have a soft, you know, decent story, you know, as as good as any other heist movie story. And, um, you know, great action, really solid acting. Yeah. Uh, especially from the bad guy. Uh, yeah, I really liked that guy. And... Um, well, like you'll you'll feeling, you'll see yeah. you'll see him a lot more uh, now. He's kind of really starting to. He's one of those actors that just gonna do a lot of things now. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, if you really want action, you can't go much better than this. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I I can <laughs> say about this. I've just been trying to really get people to, uh, I guess two things. One, I've been really trying to get people to give not only this movie a chance, because I think they're the people who still uh, didn't dip their toe back in the water after the second one. Um, and I was talking to... The second uh, one was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it was pretty much like a classic sequel of the time, where it's just like, yeah, here's just a cash-in attempt at, you know, your franchise kind of thing. And the fact that you're bringing characters from that movie and still telling this great story um one of the things too that uh that same article i referenced earlier said was he was just like you know he's like it's it's insane to think that in the first movie you just had this kind of like point break ripoff with this guy who does like street racing and this guy who's more or less like you know i think i can't tell how long he'd been an fbi agent and then all of a sudden they're like an international like thieves kind of thing he's just like the fact that like they've told a plausible arc from movie one to like movie six he's like that's insane he's like that just doesn't happen in movies yeah i mean they they definitely grew the characters as i said i caught like the end of the second movie not too long ago on tv and it's just like really (laughs) really and like the character of paul walker he looks just clearly so much younger because he was but also the way he's acting you can totally see like oh here's this kid yeah that has now like grown yeah and to be a man with a child and all this stuff and you can see that difference in behavior and all of that um as it kind of has grown through the films i mean you know really uh, so it really turned out really good uh and um while i enjoyed it how did you end up rating it uh, I think I actually gave it either a uh, a four or a four point five, um, sort of for the exact same reasons that we were sort of downplaying the Hangover Part Three. I think it's a really solid standalone movie, and then I also think it's a great like next episode in this kind of like franchise kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the second thing I was going to mention uh, that I actually am really worried about is that these movies uh, obviously are making more and more money uh, with each subsequent release and the original plan was to shoot six and seven back to back uh, and basically Justin Lin um, basically told Universal he's like I can't be going through the post-production process of Fast and Furious 6 and prep seven 
and instead of waiting for him, they got a new director to do the seventh movie. Now, as far as I understand it, the script and all that is written, it's done, it's kind of like all the things are in place, it's just going to be a different director. That's kind of like the one, like, semi-worry. Do we know like, who, who it is? Yeah, it's the guy who did... Um, I want to say it's James Wan or something like that, but it's uh, it's either the guy who did the Kevin Bacon movie, um, but now that name is escaping me as well. I want like I want it's like a I want James Wan is what what his actual I think name is, but I want to say it's like either okay. a horror movie sort of director or something like that. He did Stir of Echoes or something. Um, like not that Stir of Echoes, no. but the one where Kevin Bacon's kid gets killed and he goes in that like revenge sort of thing. Um, I think it's actually the director of the original Saw, maybe the first two Saw movies. It's like something along those lines. Yeah, right. And people were kind of like, oh, that's a weird choice. But, you know, Justin Lin gave the, uh, the, the sign-off kind of article in his, there, in his endorsement in his uh, usual press. So that's, yeah, well. that's the only real, like, semi-worry for it. And that's really only a worry to me uh, for, like, if they decide to... Like, I hope 7 is it. Like, I hope they end on this, like, cool... Because basically it's tying back into the third one. As long as they're making yeah. money, they're not. It's not yeah. going to end. <laughs> and then, of course, you have Brian. I can kid. totally see them trying to recast eventually if the actors decide. Or it's going to be Fast and Furious 75 and they're going to be all be, like, really old men have uh racing cars brian's kaden which we there that'd be cool just do that like 10 years from now just uh have him be like uh stealing <laughs> cars and stuff have it go full circle you know I, I i could totally see that like in in a, in like 20 years or something like that somebody doing like a reboot and deciding to kind of like do their kids or something like that'd be awesome because you know? then you have like uncle dom and uncle brian just like them it'd be awesome then it would work it would totally work <laughs> yeah. anyways um i i would agree with you on this um i i'm totally it's a it's a solid four for me um really fun movie um you know better than i better story than i expected uh cool action that means a lot of it um one thing that you know you kind of have to let go of and that is um the um, the idea of um of how the cars drive and and that's one of those things where like me as someone who knows about cars and kind of uh you know used to read a lot more uh, all this stuff i look at how they're driving and the cars that they're driving and racing each other with and you're kind of like well you know the problem is that that would not be happening and and that kind of does bother me a little bit considering that this franchise is so direct so like set up on cars um where you see like a car like the um um like the one that don drives um uh, with the huge um fin and i can't think of the name of it it's a i believe it's a pontiac um and it looks like a corvette and, but and that car is you know it's a incredibly powerful car as far as the engine goes. However, it basically drives about as well as a boat does around corners. So, you know, for him to be racing in a straight line with that car, perfect. For him to be racing uh, in a city around corners in, the, in that car, yeah, he would not get anywhere 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, watching those kind of things is kind of like, uh, okay, I guess I have to let go of that and just enjoy what I'm seeing on screen. So that's a little bit sad for me, but uh, otherwise, it's a lot of fun. It's a very solid movie. Gotcha, gotcha. So then we jump into the following week, which kicked off with After Earth. Uh, pulled in $27.5 million, Fear which is not real. Nor is the star power that is Will Smith. Uh, basically, I think they were saying this is the lowest opening of a Will Smith movie in over 10 years. Uh, I think this yeah. probably is on par with Wild Wild. Actually, no, I think The Pursuit of Happiness is probably the, either that or Seven Pounds is probably the, the lowest. But that is uh, strange because he is sort of the sci-fi person, which you would think that that would basically guarantee a $100 million opening. But wait for the end listeners because there is a twist after earth uh basically is, a movie is there where, though there is there is there is yes uh what's the, did and, i miss a twist oh well you already knew the twist going in <laughs> the twist ladies and gentlemen is that this is the return of M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, that twist. Yes. It's a twist. With a twist. I guess in a way it is. Because people... I, I guess in a way it is because they kind of hid this. They from, hid it from completely. People. I don't think he did a whole lot of press for it. Uh, and it doesn't open with like directed yeah. by. It ends with directed by. And I would definitely say that I was never... I would have never imagined ever that directed by M. Night Shyamalan would be met with applause. Yeah. Saw in that sense, yeah. Um, so, After Earth is about a crash landing that leaves Kitai Rage and his father, Cypher, stranded on Earth. 1,000 years after events forced humanity's escape. With Cypher injured, Kitai must embark on a perilous journey to signal for help. As I said, it's been it's, uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who's responsible for such beautiful classics as The Last Airbender, Lady in the Water, which I've started four times and fallen asleep each time, and The Happening, which we thought <laughs> was going to be those. his redemption, and it did not happen at all. Not the sixth sense in Umbrella. <laughs> anyway. he, he rode those coattails long enough. Yeah. Stars Will Smith and Jaden Smith, uh, and then it was written by Gary Whitta, who wrote The Book of Eli, um, M. Night Shyamalan, who did, of course, write... The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, and The Village, as well as pretty much all of his filmography. And then uh, the story is credited by Will Smith, which I think yeah. was also sort of a, uh, also true, but also I think kind of a PR nudge to kind of be like, is well, it? it's Will Smith's story, so therefore, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hmm. So, M. Night Shyamalan has returned from whence, uh, I guess it was the happening uh for those of you who have not seen The Happening, there is a great article. Which includes me. Yes, there is a great article that says, The Happening is a great movie if you don't watch it. And that sounds funny, but he says, what I mean is, is if you listen to it as though it's a radio play, it's actually phenomenal. But when you watch the movie... Really? Yeah, he's like, but when you watch the movie, it's an awful because the acting is awful and like all those things. And I was like, oh, it's really interesting. And then the more I thought about it, I was like... That's actually true. It does have a very, like, H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds sound to it. So I was, like, very intrigued by that. 
Uh, but interesting. As I said, this is the return of M Night Shyamalan. Uh, there was no marketing on this. Would you do you know who you know who Uwe Boll is, right? Uwe Boll, yeah. um, uh, Blood Rain, right? Yeah, and basically yeah. more or less I, the. But to be honest, I never really watched any of his films. I just know of him and of the film. No, of his legend. Yes, uh, the legend of Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll basically was if he would well he basically took many many video game properties and to the vast majority of anyone who is alive uh they were terrible and basically that's what i hear that is what is true (laughs) uh and so m night was someone who started off um people were saying he was the next spielberg people called him the master the new master of suspense uh the Sixth Sense, I think, was nominated for plenty of Academy Awards. I don't know if it actually won for anything, but I think it was heavily nominated. Unbreakable Signs, The Village. I think everyone was waiting for him to come back. You could argue that his movies each I got progressively the worse. Village people were already starting to kind of be tired of yeah. the, of the whole twist thing. So now that we've gotten to uh, probably movie eight or nine in his filmography. Are we still getting progressively worse, or have we finally leveled out, would you say? I have to say that I feel like he has plateaued. Um, he's no he longer in the nosedive. <laughs> no longer in the nosedive, but I wouldn't say that he's going anywhere back up. Um, I had some hopes for this film. Um, I, I had... I guess from what I hear about the happening, which I didn't see, is is that one of the big things about it was the the story of sort of like nature hitting back at us for dis- you know kind of destroying the plants and stuff like that, and it's not a terrible idea. I guess the execution wasn't very good, but uh, the idea on its own, it's actually kind of cool. And um, it seems like it seemed to me like in After Earth, he's going back to that idea. Um, You know, here's um, basically, you know, uh, we destroyed Earth. uh, We had to leave. um, We live somewhere else now. um, These two people crash on Earth and everything on Earth has evolved to hunt humans. To hunt humans. So... it kind of seemed like this this somewhat interesting story and then you had the father-son story behind it and so it seemed like it had some potential now the real movie is very different from that marketing um and even though those lines are in there the real movie is different um and and i'm just gonna sort of throw it out there because i don't think it's too spoilerish um really because i don't know whatever um this the story is you know yeah we destroyed earth we left it uh we had to leave we went somewhere else turns out that we ran into some aliens over there and these aliens have basically in the way they fight apparently is not by using weapons but they use these uh basically monsters these animals that are very good hunters like these predators who are blind but can track you by the scent of your fear. 
Uh, so uh, your fear pheromones, uh, that's what they're after. I don't know why they wouldn't be just after any pheromones, but uh, one of the many, many fucking plot uh, holes in this film, which I'm going to now go through and name. Um, so you have these blind predators who are hunting humans, and, you know, there's this legend of the great Will Smith who is managed to do this thing that they call ghosting which is basically he is not afraid so he can literally be walking right next to one of those things and they wouldn't be able to see him and so he can just like walk by uh cut its throat and keep going uh while this thing is bleeding out so um there's that and um so now uh they're in this transport uh flying somewhere to do a training mission <laughs> and uh they have one of those monsters in a cage on the plane or on the spaceship um and they happen to get hit whatever they crash land on earth and two confirmed survivors is basically Will Smith and Jaden Smith and it turns out this badass monster is somewhere out there too. Will Smith is badly hurt. He can't do shit. So he sends his son, Jaden to go get the beacon from the tail end of the, uh, plane. Now here are a few things. For some reason, the earthlings have decided that weapons like guns and machine guns, uh, Phasers, lasers, um, anything else? Uh, rocket launchers, um, beams, uh, anything that can uh, hit an enemy at a distance. For some reason, they just decided not to use them. They think it's much better to go up close and uh, personal and hit things with a sword uh, that can change into different shapes. Known as a cutlass. Cutlass, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Um, which is of 20 configurations completely fucking stupid because it is a thousand years into the future yeah you would think they would have better projectile weapons they could fucking shoot things out of their mind or something I don't know <laughs> where are the freaking phasers anyway so for some reason they don't have these weapons a stupid stupid choice okay um and then I realized that even though they say everything here has evolved to hunt humans, absolutely nothing there has evolved to hunt humans. And the only thing that hunts humans is the thing that they brought with themselves, which is the stupid-ass monster. Um, and so... This movie becomes a movie about a kid walking through the forest. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, while I will say this, uh, once again, as I have said in the past, M. Night Shyamalan um, has really a wonderful visual style. He really does. I mean, he, the man can just direct really, really well as far as that goes. Um, what he cannot do is write. And honestly, 
I think if they had a really quality uh, screenwriter on this, if you put somebody who writes, you know, and, and writes a fantastic story, really solid, really strong, and then you have M. Night Shyamalan directed, I think that would be a good movie. This is not a good movie. <laughs> um, I will say this. As far as, uh, as, far as uh, visually and as far as like shots and all of that, really beautiful, fun to watch as far as that goes. Um, Will Smith and even Jaden Smith, really solid. You know, I mean, as far as like uh, performance, you know, Will Smith, you know, whatever. He plays, you know, this father. It's okay. You know, he does a solid job. Uh, Jaden, you know, does a pretty good job. Um, you know, he he projects, uh, you know, certain uh, emotions out that, you know, you can you can kind of uh, see <laughs> where he is going yeah. through. It's not like anything amazing, but but for for considering his age and everything else, he does a really solid job in this movie um and what he's asked to do i would uh, say but i would say this movie is so froth with like logical fallacies and and just um bizarre things that you're just why why are you making this weird world where this just is not there's no logical progression to this world <laughs> from the one that we're in there's just not and and you're trying to make one but there isn't and and while this is a story about a father and son it just didn't need to be said in this setting it just made it completely pointless it, i don't know it was just it really frustrated me in in a lot of those steps so it was just uh one misstep after another as far as that goes it, they really failed to sort of um, have any of that level of the story where I thought, you know, it was going to be, oh, is nature going to hit back against us as humans? I thought there was going to be that level of a story, but it's it's not there. It just doesn't exist. Um, the earth is the earth. It basically just went mm -hmm. to the wilderness again. There's animals, and they're all just doing their thing, you know, and uh, the only time they attack... Jaden is when he attacks them and it's basically how you know it would be if you just went into the mountain somewhere and threw a stone at a monkey um but otherwise I just I don't know it's ugh anyways how so, did you what did you think friend so, so he liked it why don't it. you tell us he liked it it's his last film standing uh <laughs> so this is the thing I think um, the one thing that I sort of agree with you on is that I sort think, of? yeah, that I think, actually, I won't even say that because I think he's had plenty of opportunities. So I'm going to scratch that I was going to say that M. Night Shyamalan can still direct. Uh, I think what this movie, what would have fixed. He can direct, he can write. Well, I don't think he can direct actors anymore either. I think that has been a huge problem in the last like three or four movies of his, um, because I feel like he has trouble with these are people who know what they're doing and he's telling them to do something that makes sense to him. But when you watch it on screen, it calls attention to itself and just doesn't feel right for some reason. Because um, like Jaden 
in all of the other movies he's been in has felt organic to that to those movies and in this movie it was like there's something like I don't think he's ready to carry a movie by himself because pretty much he's acting to green screen more uh, no, or less. No, I, I I do agree. And there's actually also um, a couple of moments where like the story gets a yeah. little odd, where he like has this like completely insane emotional reaction. It's yeah. like you wouldn't say da, 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 like yeah. all this stuff, and there's like. Um, did that ever happen in this movie? There was no. just no like actual like escalation to that. Um, yeah, it just and I think comes out of, and and the things that he's accusing his father of, we've never seen. Yeah, it's not on screen at and all. And it's like, yeah. uh, so it just like catches us off guard, and we're like, uh, is he now like projecting yeah. onto his father it makes like his insane. own guilt, yeah. or it, is? I was just like, it makes him seem insane. Uh, the one thing I was talking to a guy at work. Um, about this and I the one thing I think that could have fundamentally made this movie from like a D level movie to an A level movie is Jaden's character should have been a girl. Um and the reason I say that is because Jaden's character has gone through they sh- they set up in the beginning of this movie that he's like this ranger. So in theory if not for his attitude, he is a soldier. And so therefore, when you're going through the story and you're going through all these things, it's like, well, he's I'm not also really... tad been young. I mean, he's like, yeah. what, 15? But you consider it's a thousand years into the future. We're in the same context as like Ender's Game, where it's just like, okay, like in the future, like soldiers are just like, you kind of grow up to be a soldier. You don't enlist. It's like, these are kind of this is what that society does and so like when he's going through all this i'm like yeah i get that you're like not mentally prepared but you're physically capable and i just kept thinking i was like you know they really could have told an awesome beautiful story of this father-daughter dynamic where you could have even had this daughter who was just like listen like you don't know who your father is like he's always traveling da, da, da. why don't you go with him on this trip and she's kind of like I don't want to go, like, mom, blah, blah, blah. You have this thing, they crash, and then you have this father saying, okay, you need to go get this beacon, put this on. She has no idea what this suit does, take this with you, she has no idea what this cutlass thing is. And you have this kind of emotional thing where it's just like, okay, all of a sudden I'm thrust into an environment that I don't understand. And then the danger and that fear theme becomes that much more real than it just kind of being like, all right, well, Jaden... Yeah, but th- you're you're trained for this. Like it's kind of like yeah, you can be like it's like it, to me it was like the equivalent of firefighters train, um, cops train. I, I will say this though, I, I I don't buy it. Um, to to say that um that someone without any training is thrust into this they would not have survived like 10 minutes no but i also think that that would have been the relationship that they would have had like i think that connection being like him having to like communicate do this do this and then yeah the problem is you can't do it if you haven't trained i mean fucking jump off of a cliff and 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 skydive down uh whatever to a certain if you've never done that you can't do not the way that he does it in the movie obviously but like there are certain things where it's just like just jump like you know and they could have had stuff coming after her you need to jump or you're going to die like that kind of dramatic kind of stuff and then she jumps and yeah obviously like it's not like i just 
transform yeah, or skydiving. I, I, I yeah. think I, that actually, it's funny because the one thing that didn't bother me is that, you know, like that whole like relationship. I totally understand it. I mean, yeah, he trained physically and he trained sort of in the classroom, but he was never out there in real world. And he is not just not ready for that. You know, and once you're then faced with the real life action, that training, yeah, you you can rely on it that's fine but you're gonna be fucking afraid and you might freeze up no i agree with that but so. i think that's the same equivalent of like uh like when you have like say like a firefighter or uh like a rookie cop where it's just like yeah they've been training they know what they're doing they have all these things the one thing they they lack is experience and so they kind of go into this environment and they're having to sort of they have all these sort of training things but i think there's a different a huge difference between that firefighter who has gone to the academy and done all the training and walks into a burning building versus the person on the street who runs into the building to accomplish the same task, which is like to help to save someone's life. The problem is that firefighter might be able to get out of that building and down the ladder with somebody on their back because he's been training that and a normal human being no matter how much guidance they have, they physically cannot do it because they're not strong enough. Which That's is why the, the latter statement you just said is much more dramatic and much more watchable than someone who goes through and is trained. Well, it would be dramatic and watchable, but then it would be Fast Six territory. No, I don't think so. Because I yeah, think what ends up happening it is it wouldn't. Because what happens is when, yes, you have, when you have that situation, you're rooting for that person to succeed. They might fail, and that could, that's absolutely one option for the movie. And I'm not saying that I'm harping, I'm not harping on the training aspect unto the extent of, okay, because he has this training, he will succeed. It's just that was one thing that could have motivated him as an actor even, or just that character even, to kind of do more than what he did. Because the way that he comes off in this movie, it's kind of like, like you were saying, it's just like, it's either I'm yelling at my father because I don't know who he is, or... I'm kind of running in the woods with that like small joke that I was hoping there would be a little bit more of where it's just like a tie, no one's chasing you, why are you doing this kind of thing? I think it, it kind of just created this situation where Will Smith's character doesn't really, could have been anyone, could have been a computer, he could have never even needed to be on screen kind of thing. And I think like that relationship between the two of them, even though it was supposed to start off as this, they don't know each other, I think it's forced by the end that they end up kind of having this like family moment kind of thing. Whereas if, you know, um, and I got a lot of this from um, Kurt Wimmer, one of the, um, he's one of those people who he wrote and directed uh, Equilibrium and then he wrote and directed Ultraviolet, which um, if you've seen is an awful movie. I read the script for it and he talks a lot about how Screen Gems basically uh, butchered the script that he did. Uh, but he talks a lot about how when you have a female protagonist, there are certain things that you'll psychologically and subconsciously empathize with that doesn't necessarily happen when you have a male protagonist in that exact same situation. Well, I, I, I don't mind uh, the female protagonist. That wouldn't have bothered me, but it, why is it excluded that a female protagonist could, be, uh, could have gone through the ranger training? Uh, it, it's not. I like, and, and again, like I think that that's... Because with, with with the suggestions that you're making, I don't mind if they had totally changed the the character to a female, um, to to a daughter. But I I just feel like like 
it would have to be it would still have to be someone who has had that kind of training and it's more of that mental issue because that that's sort of the idea of the film is like this monster you can beat it you know you have a way to beat it but it's all about your mental ability to beat it not about your physical ability you know so like if you're strong enough and fast enough you can kill this thing but only only if uh if you can you know get outside of yourself and and you know control who you like your emotions that fear in that case um i i just you know as i said i i liked some of the ideas of it i just didn't like the execution there was just so much like the whole setting and all of that just feels like um, I was thinking about it earlier. It felt like somebody like took a wheel of like fortune and just like spun it, and it was like, oh, it's gonna be in the future, and it's gonna be this kind of a setting, and they're gonna use a sword as a weapon, and uh, blah blah blah. It's like just feels like really awkwardly like placed. Um, so yeah, I think it actually has a lot of mythology that they built and I'm not sure if it's because it was something, um, I know M Knight was talking about when he first came to it, that there was a lot of the universe that was already in place. Um, but just with regards to the movie, that's kind of like when he took over and made certain, uh, changes for like the visual aspect of it. Yeah. Well, the problem is that the story also has to make sense. Yeah. The uh, listeners, the, the movie that kind of exemplifies more of what I've like been talking about is actually The, the Descent. Um, definitely check that movie out. I'd love to uh, talk to one of you about actually, that. Actually, I, would, I haven't seen that. I've heard you yeah. mention that movie a few times. I'll have to see yeah. if it's on uh, Netflix. I and this, uh, see. I think the second one you can like buy online or I, rent I online, so. but it's just like, yeah, I never saw the second one, but it's one of those like movies that's caught in between, like it was on DVD, but it wasn't around for streaming yeah. rights kind of stuff. We'll see. Um, yeah. And so, how did you rate After Earth? Uh, After Earth, I gave a three. Um, and that was kind of why I went into it, I went into it before. I think it's just kind of a very ordinary movie. Um, I don't think it's a bad movie, it's just kind of one of those things that you discover on Netflix at 3 a.m. Yeah. I would have to say I think it's a below-ordinary movie, and uh, I give it a 2. Um, I wouldn't say that it enters my one star, which is you know reserved for Battlefield Earth and Pretty such. Uh, actually, I disagree with you on Pootie Tang. But, Everyone does, but that's um, my worst movie of all time. But, um, <laughs> but this film... It's just not good. Um, and as I said, you know, the aspects that kind of pull it to that two uh, star cat uh, category is it's pretty uh, visually uh, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, uh, it doesn't have much more going for it, unfortunately. They will never see me coming from the East. Yes, that's our next movie, The East. How about that? How about that uh, segue? If we had done uh, Iron Man 3 right before this, it would have been a perfect segue. Anyways, um, the next film 
that we are talking about is the East. Uh, made about seventy-seven thousand uh, dollars. It's a independent movie uh, made by uh, Britt Marling and her collaborator on a couple of previous films, Zaja or Zai Zal. I can't pronounce that. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, Batmungil. I think it's Batmunglish. Okay. So I will um, refer to you to Brandon on this one. Um, and it was also directed by Zal. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, and the story is basically about an operative for an elite private intelligence firm who finds her priorities changing dramatically after she is tasked with infiltrating an anarchist group known for exe- uh, executing covert attacks uh, upon major corporations. And it's starring Britt Marling, uh, Alexander Sarsgaard, uh, Ellen Page, and to- Toby Cabell. Um, so um yeah i mean they they were they previously collaborated on sound of my voice uh, the recordist and another earth um or basically zal directed those three and two of those sound of my voice and another earth are also written by uh brit marling um so this film, I, I as I once again, I didn't have a chance to see this. Uh, it's it's kind of an interesting uh, seeming film. It's basically about this, um, you know, group who, as they say in the trailer, if you poison us, we'll poison you. If you spy on us, we'll spy on you. Kind of thing. And it's in it, it, it film almost a little bit of empowering. Like you know, it's the people striking back at these corporations that were. At this point in our lives, if we have our eyes open or we're watching them basically, you know, steal, uh, lie and cheat from from um, people and, and, you know, get away with it. And um, it's one of those like things that we're we're, we ha- we're living with in, in the world now. And uh, it seems like this is what this film kind of really... Um, goes for and 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 these are the ideas that it hits upon and how does it um convey this does does is that sort of where it really goes to or um yeah i mean it's pretty much a it's 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 two things it's one it's a look at uh at two different sort of industries and how they sort of collide so you know, you do have your um, kind of clandestine type of industries where it's like the CIA and, you know, those kinds of things and uh, private mercenaries and the whole quote-unquote spies, MI6, Interpol, that kind of thing. And then there is the other side of this where there's uh, terrorism and specifically in this movie it's eco-terrorism where it's kind of like, you know, environmentalist, um, kind of environmentalist extremist uh, kind of mixed in with these, uh, what does she say, anarchistic uh, tendencies. Um, and the thing that's kind of cool is when you watch sort of these anarchist. Yeah. She, I think she, I think there's an extra syllable that she says in there. She gives this awesome speech about like what her, what her firm does. And basically what Britt Marling is, is she's sort of this agent for, um, a private organization that, uh, helps mitigate corporate espionage. Um, 
And so basically what ends up happening is there are, if you're a Microsoft, there's the fly that comes into your, you know, situation and you just kind of wave your hands and it goes away. Then the next tier up is the mosquito. The mosquito comes in and it actually draws blood. Um, you can either swat it or kind of, again, just kind of bad. It, it demands away. more of your attention. Yeah. Though. And then there's the thing that basically, uh, she says the black widow, uh, it's like, you know, it's subtle, it's there, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's around, it bites you, you think you're fine. And then all of a sudden you crash and then everything yeah. kind of falls apart. And so she basically has a team of operatives that they assess the situation and then they send someone in to basically spy on groups or those people who would do the most damage to you and if they look like they're about to strike if you're a client of hers prevent it or take that group apart from the inside not in a mm -hmm. jason Bourne way but in a very like chess move intelligence kind of way and Britt marling plays one of those agents and so the east is kind of this very viral youtube thing where um it's they have one of those videos that you see on the trailer uh, which is just kind of like, um, as Z said, just being like, if we spy on us, we spy on you, that kind of thing. And their whole thing is getting retribution for, you know, oil companies um, spilling oil into oceans, and then the people who are in charge don't actually really Do face any repercussions. It, yeah. It's just like that kind of thing. There's like a medical kind of aspect to this, uh, the oil thing, and a few other things. And it's interesting because you do get caught up in some of these like three or four conversations where you're like, you know, like, it's it's the, you get put in that position of, okay, I think stealing is wrong. Well, what about stealing bread for your starving family? If you don't steal, your family dies. Like, you get caught up in that kind of gray of a moral conversation because you do have these characters who are explaining why they're part of this group. Oh, this happened to me because of this metal company. We did all the legal things of trying to sue them, trying to do this, didn't work. Now we're going to take actual action well, i mean we're we're all i think aware that oftentimes this the system as it's set up now it's not uh set up to to help evenly everyone in the country i mean <laughs> just walk into some of the poor neighborhoods and you'll see that those people definitely do not have the same um you know kind of advantages that people in richer neighborhoods have so it's like you know uh, how how would even someone who has been wronged by an insurance company uh who basically has no money even to fight the yeah. millions of dollars of lawyers and and you know kind of things like that 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 a company like that can afford so you know we've all seen that at work and and i think that's where where the idea of the gray sort of zone comes in and yeah. where the idea of the injustice within our justice system comes from that's why this sort of seemed kind of like this somewhat appealing concept of a group who strikes um <laughs> kind of at people who normally would basically get off scot-free yeah and it's it's cool the way it's done um it's less overtly political uh in case you know um brit marling or zal have a very you know in case this is a movie that's basically an example um or a way for them to kind of get this message out to the world of things whether or not they believe this or not um or if they just kind of responded to the story and wanted to tell it um 
but it's 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 cool in the sense of as i said there isn't this whole dramatic uh aspect to it where it's just like oh this is coming down is she going to get it out is she going to be found out but that 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 you know the danger is real um aspect of it to it but the one of the things that i've come to really like about brit marling and i don't know if this is because she has a hand in um, the last three movies we've seen of her um, in writing them um, and how much of that is her performance. But she manages to do this thing where it's sort of conveying all the things that would normally be really, really heightened in music or in the camera angles or in dialogues or exchanges around her, uh, just in her kind of thing, where it's just like she feels like a normal person um, in this movie and in her other movies but is in this really extraordinary situation. Um, I think probably like her and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, I would say, are kind of in that same category of just like people who can just convey an incredible amount without seemingly doing anything. Um, but yeah, this movie is really cool, uh, the way that it sort of unfolds. Um, with this whole eco-terrorism thing, it kind of comes off as sort of a cult that is run by um, Alexander Skarsgård, who I really, I haven't watched True Blood since like season one, um, which I'm actually almost surprised that it's still on, uh, even though I enjoyed it. But uh, he has like a really cool, like charismatic thing to him as sort of like this leader of this group and sort of being like, hey, you know, you guys are free to leave at any time. You can come if you can hang out if you want. We're going to go do this thing. You don't have to be with us, that kind of thing. Uh, so no one's really being forced into doing uh, anything. And then you have Ellen Page, which I can't wait to watch her age because she still looks like she's exactly like she looked like in Judo and sounds exactly like she did in Judo. <laughs> um I'm just really curious to know. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. that's that's kind of a uh, good it's thing for perfect her. for her as an actress, yeah. yeah. So far. Yeah. Um, and then she's going to be in a video game called Beyond Two Souls. So um, just looking forward to that. That I'm actually also looking forward to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any other notes to this? Um, just that the, uh, the ending is a little shaky. Um, not so much that it tries to wrap itself up in a very Hollywood bow, but just that it tries to sort of be more optimistic than the movie possibly calls for. Um, not like, as I said, like right off into the sunset moment, but just in a very, okay, well, maybe Grey isn't so bad after all. Um, uh, maybe yeah. the status quo is actually okay. Yeah. See, really, you know, that that's one of those things that I oftentimes wonder about certain movies. They kind of seem to be trying to make a point and then, oh, I well, like but the alternative is worse. And you're just like, no, no, it's not, actually. There are alternatives that could be better. Like, I feel like they try to do this thing where they're like, well, just in case anyone gets any bright ideas, this is kind of what you should do instead sort of thing. Um uh, and it's not that it you know it takes away from the movie. It just kind of it's one of those things where you are on this pretty steady path, and then all of a sudden it kind of goes off the off ramp a little bit right before the credits. So I wonder uh, if uh, the studios had any say in that. Yeah, that's very true. 
Um, overall, though, uh, I actually gave it a solid four. Um, solid it's, four? Yeah, it's a, it's a very cool sort of ensemble piece. The guy who plays the doctor, Toby Kebbell, um, really cool. He's just like a cool just vibe about him. Um, nice. I kind of want to look him up and see what else he's been in. Cool, cool. So that is the East. The East. And so, I guess this is actually you. Mm-hmm. No. So we have Now You See Me, which pulled in uh, 32.3 million, uh, basically beating out Will Smith's second return to uh, since his four-year hiatus, I think it was, before Men in Black. Um, this movie about an FBI agent and an Interpol detective who track down a team of illusionists who pull off bank heists during the performances and reward their audiences with the money. It is directed by Louis Terrier, who is responsible for The Incredible Hulk, The Transporter, and has recently come out and saying that the studio forced him to rush the conversion of Clash of the Titans in 3D, which has basically became the benchmark for why you shouldn't convert movies into 3D. Stars Jesse Eisenberg, Common, Mark Ruffalo, and Woody Harrelson, written by Ed Solomon, who wrote Men in Black, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Excellent Adventure, and the G Charlie's Angels from 2000. Uh, it is also written by Boaz Yekin, who wrote Safe, the uh, Jason Statham movie we really liked, Prince of Persia, Remember the Titans, and Edward Record, which this is his first feature, and then the story is by Boaz Yekin and Edward Record. So, Now You See Me was a movie that I believe Z was very into from the marketing. I, this is a movie that, I, again, uh, much like Epic, just didn't really, the trailers didn't do anything for, for me. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character came off as really annoying to me in the trailers, and I kind of didn't really want to see it again for that. Um, but it looked entertaining enough, so I jumped in, but... As far as Now You See Me, uh, I know, I think you've talked, I don't remember what movie specifically was about it, um, but just about magic in general in movies and how you like, I think it was probably Burt Wonderstone, actually. Um, Possibly, yeah. Yeah, just how you like the aspect of magic on screen, uh, being able to sort of see these things, uh, how they're being portrayed and such. As far as a, I guess, uh, practical effects level, what did you think of the magic as portrayed in Now You See Me? Well, um, of the magic directly in, in this film, I, I think it's... Um, so what this is, in a way, is to magic is what uh, Fast and the Furious are to driving cars. It takes some stuff that is like you know, okay, so these are kind of reasonable things. Cars can do this and, you know, magic can do this. And it just kind of blows it up to a, a degree. So in a way, um, the magic of it is somewhat very, very far-fetched, plausible, very, very far-fetched most likely not possible some of the stuff that they do <laughs> but uh, it, it what it does is it takes the principles of magic and kind of um or things that magicians do uh, the rules and the principles of um you know they kind of govern from the simplest to the more more complex tricks um and kind of plays with them um so 
so from that aspect, I, I thought it was okay because you kind of let go of it because you realize, okay, so this is more of a popcorn thing. This is not going to take a magic and say these things are really possible it's gonna say well you know we're kind of like making it bigger this is a fun popcorn movie that features magic as its sort of main medium um as i said the same way the fast and the furious series features cars and the cars do things that in that movie that cars will never be able to do in real life it's the same thing they do with magic here um yeah, I mean, I would just add sort of um, outside of that to the cast. I think the probably one of my favorite people in this film was Melanie Laurent, um, like in her sort of acting in this film. She really felt like one of the most organic characters in this in this entire movie, um, sort of uh, next to Mark Ruffalo. Um, and, you know, we also have Dave Franco, um uh, who's the the younger franco brother and uh, i love fisher who, who yeah and then <laughs> you you kind of add you know michael kane and morgan freeman as the big guns kind of uh coming in here um lucius fox and alfred yes lucius fox and alfred uh joined again except on opposite sides maybe maybe not um so this film overall um, is is actually kind of entertaining um, for for the most of the uh, film, and um, it's it's all. I mean, the film itself is one big sort of magic trick um, that the way it ends up, um, unfortunately for me, was just a little disappointing. It's kind of that Hollywood little too happy ending kind of uh (laughs) whatever but um it's kind of entertaining because we're watching this and we're kind of wondering what the next thing is going to be and what's the next thing going to be and how did they pull it off it it basically what it turns into is a heist film it's you know basically the oceans four kind of thing um you have these four guys who are doing all these heists and you know somebody who's uh organizing all of this for them and um you know it's kind of cool it's kind of cool it it, i i had almost a little bit of a feeling that this movie um like after earth uh was trying uh had this idea of a message that then never bore out really um because because from the trailers you have this sense that here are the people who are gonna basically do the robin hood thing and um they kind of don't it seems like in the end it turns out like it's more of a revenge flick um (laughs) which is not as satisfying as it you would have thought it would have been because we're we're not sort of primed to hate the character um that kind of is you know turn becomes the the sort of sole focus of 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 the rage and well not the rage but just kind of <laughs> the revenge um you know we don't uh, you know he's i don't know so so in the end it almost <laughs> felt like a film that's that's geared more towards uh 
towards kids, if I can say that, <laughs> um, to kind of make them go, oh, magic is cool. Um, and, you know, outside of that, maybe to people who are just kind of like enjoying maybe uh, um, um, one of those like heist films where we see the crew come together and then we watch this this really compl complicated plan and then kind of see how it happened, um, how they actually pulled it off. Um, so I enjoyed some of the behind-the-scenes things and stuff like that, but I think um, overall it's just kind of a, you know an average film. It does have a lot of those moments where you're kind of like, okay, yeah... It's a bit <laughs> bit of a stretch, but um, whatever. And then it clearly has kind of that, um, again, a twist at the end um, that's, you know, that's okay. It, you know, it, it could be anybody, you know, kind of thing, uh, but it is who it is. And, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's really hard to say um, uh, kind of... It's just not a movie that you're going to go... At least I. I didn't go in there and, and came out, oh, I loved it, or oh, I hated it. It just kind of like leaves you a little conflicted. You kind of enjoy certain aspects of it, and then other things you're kind of like, uh, yeah, but then it's, you know, like weak on the story front and then weak on the message and stuff like that. I mean, I actually really liked it. Um, and I think I really enjoyed how entertaining it was, and I wasn't necessarily yeah. expecting that. Um, it actually reminded me a incredible lot about the first National Treasure um, mm. Where you're just kind that. of jumping yeah. from like set piece to set piece, city to city, kind of trick to trick, like what is happening, like who is <laughs> actually involved. Trick something <laughs> yeah. does for money. <laughs> it's an illusion. Uh, and you just have this thing where you're just like, you really are kind of just being swept away with, you know, this group and sort of these players on the outside and how they keep sort of becoming more and more involved in the actual sort of plot. Um, and I just thought it was really cool. My only real issue with the movie um, is some of the CG stuff that happened, and really the only one that specifically pops out of me was uh, only because it felt like it didn't need to be, but there's this uh, scene where they um, they basically are uh, on stage in Vegas and they kind of break out this giant like velvet sort of curtain, and uh, he just kind of like flips it so that he can um, you mean basically... She? Or she, yeah, basically, like, does it so that you can have this time machine um, thing. I love it looks but... nothing like a man, by the way. Oh, I didn't remember who it was. But um, anyway, the, the whole point I was trying to make was that they basically do this thing where they, like, flip it, and it turns into, like, a spawn cape-looking thing. And I was kind of like, oh, that's weird, like a weird use of CG in a movie that so far has been, like, very, very practical with a few augmentations on the card trick stuff. Um and then I think there's, like, one other sort of, like, overtly CG thing. And I was like, again, like, that's kind of weird because this movie did have, you know, it's it's it has, like, a heightened sort of... By the way, I have to say that, that I found the force in the beginning, the the whole card force thing, was actually pretty pretty cool. The, uh, which thing? The uh, the card trick that he does in the yeah. Jesse Eisenberg's thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because he basically forces a card on you and and then he yeah. shows you that card and you're kind of like yeah you know i 
because I I could see it, I could sense it that 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 was happening, and I was like, I know it's gonna be the card that I saw, you know, <laughs> because because that that's how yeah. it was set up for you. But that that's actually, oddly enough, that is how magicians do it. They basically can oftentimes force a certain card on you, yeah, um, so that you see the card they want you to see. <laughs> um. But yeah, and so other than that, like the only real sort of issue I had uh, was that the movie feels like it has uh, more endings than The Lord of the Rings did, um, where it just kind of like, oh, okay, that was cool. And then there's like another scene, and you're like, oh, okay, we're still doing this. Oh, okay, yeah, that was fine. And then like it keeps going, and then it keeps going, and I'm like, do they really not think people caught like what's happening right now? Are we still like, and then it ends again, and then it ends again, and then it finally ends in like the Hollywood sort of ending, and I was just like, I mean, I thought we got, we understood what was happening kind of thing. Um, but the only other, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, as I said, I just thought it was kind of an enjoyable ride. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character within the movie actually uh, didn't bother me as much as it did in the trailers. Uh, Woody Harrelson is Woody Harrelson. Mark Ruffalo's character sort of bothered me a little bit in the beginning, and then it kind of retroactively sort of fixes itself. Um and uh, I forgot what her name is, the uh, the French woman that plays in this, but... Um, uh, Marine Laura. Yeah, like, I can't remember where else I've seen her from, but she's another person, like Maria Bello and uh, Vera Farmiga, that, like, doesn't seem like they're in a whole lot, but when they show up, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, where have you been? I recognize you. You're, like, an actual movie star to me, but you just aren't in things. Um, yeah, no, I've... <sighs> I'm, I'm actually just looking it up to, to see uh oh yeah she was in glorious bastards beginners yeah that's right um I don't i'm trying to think beginners. of other yeah. stuff um, that i remember her from or yeah she's a, a nice kind of round out to that cast and um yeah just it's a fun movie ensemble cast yeah i mean as i said i you know i it's it's one of those films that, as I said, like I, I, I was a little conflicted because I felt like it was gonna have a little bit more of a kind of um, direction of you know we're trying to make a more global statement with this thing, and then it kind of turned a little bit too personal, I think. <laughs> um, so that w that was kind of what what bothered me a little bit um but um yeah i i do agree it was fairly entertaining how how did you uh end up rating this uh i actually gave it a four i think it's actually just like uh for what it is it's just like a fun solid movie um like i don't really look at it as like when i look at it as this is a movie that's sort of like about magic in this group and things like that like i just think it's actually really solid yeah, I mean, for me, I, I I wouldn't go that high. I would say maybe like three, maybe up to three and a half, you know, depending on like your mood. It was entertaining enough. I never felt like I was bored during it or anything like that. So, so that was cool. But um, and and it was nice to kind of see some of the tricks. Um, but uh, yeah, but um, I I wasn't like blown away with it. Um, 
So, <laughs> I mean, I do like the idea that there's some more magic coming into movies because I really like sort of the the idea of it, and and it's also nice to see that idea of like, oh, here's a group that does one thing, but they would be perfectly suited to be heist, uh, you know, guys, kind of like you know, oh, magicians, yeah, of course. I mean, that this is what they do for a living. They, you know, basically set up things to fool other people for a living why wouldn't they use this in this other context so i kind of like that idea but um yeah so yeah for me i would say three maybe three and a half depending on my mood of the current of the day um and now we have reached the end of this segment the reviews uh and so for for the end, as usual, we will call on Brandon to call out his last film standing, 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 standing. So, with both of us, we're rocking two weeks again here. Uh, yeah. In the Lock first movies. week, hand, hands down, would have been Fast and Furious 6. In the second week here... It would have been Now You See Me, so when they go head-to-head, it's still going to be Dom Toretto and gang, Fast and Furious 6. Uh, yeah, two heist movies, actually. Two heist Duking movies. Duking it out. Yes. Who, who's going to win, the car guys or the magicians? The car guys have stolen and gotten away with this week's last film standing. Yeah. But with an honorable mention, I will definitely say uh, check out The East um, whenever you can. Hmm. It'll uh, stimulate your mind, Craig. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I, you know, I, I agree. Fast and Furious easily uh, in the first week, hands down the best film. Um, in the second week, between After Earth and uh, Now You See Me, I, I'd go with Now You See Me. And uh, from all the films that we reviewed, Fast and Furious 6 is definitely the best uh, choice if you have mm. to pick one of those. Indeed. So, unanimous decision. Fast and Furious 6 or Furious 6. The or, sixth movie in a franchise, ladies and gentlemen. An original franchise at that. In two weeks. Yes. Not just one week. Yes. It beats out two weeks. And then in two weeks, yeah. we'll finally get to see if Cal L has returned. Oh, please. Um, <laughs> so, now we get to plugs, plugs of, the, of week. the week. So, for yourself, anything worth mentioning to the peanut gallery? Yeah, there's actually a couple of things that I wanted to mention that I kind of came across. Um, you know, I'm going to probably um, aim more, to, more towards web stuff um, than anything else and uh, there's a couple of things that I found interesting and uh, there's this uh, web series called Drone on a channel call, called Y-O-M-Y-O-M-F Yom Yom uh, and Justin Lin has connection to this channel he's one of the producers apparently on it um, so um, this um, I, I came by it you know across it by accident and just kind of you know checked it out and it seemed interesting so i checked, so i looked at it and watched it and it was kind of a cool little uh web series 
Um, I think there's like four or five episodes or something like that and features uh, Agent Broyles from uh, from um, The Fringe. Yep. So, uh, the um, pattern. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. Um, it doesn't feature Agent Broyles. I just forgot the actor's name. Anyways. Um, the other thing uh, is Space Janitors on Geek uh, and Sundry channel. And this is a channel um, that was created by Felicia Day from uh, Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Blog fame, and Will Wheaton from Star Trek The Next Generation fame. Um, they have a channel. Um, it's kind of a nerdy channel for, you know, all kinds of stuff. They do, you know, random things. They have different uh, shows on there. And one of them is Space Janitors. Neither one of them is uh, in this show. There's a whole different cast in this. And it's basically um, end around uh, with different names. It's basically about janitors on a Death Star. And they're kind of dealing with uh, these kind of issues, uh, living on the Death Star and being janitors and wanting to be more. And uh, it's kind of entertaining and fun. Uh, it's really funny and makes some, some pretty cool uh, jokes and kind of things like that. Um, I would definitely um, check it out. It's in its apparently in, the, in its second season. Um, I uh, watched the first like two or three episodes and I was really entertained. I'm definitely going to continue watching it. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I came across on YouTube by accident while kind of looking up stuff uh, on Now You See Me and, you know, magic and stuff. And I came across a movie that I never even knew existed called Penner, Pen and Teller uh, Get Killed or Die or something like that. Um, and it's uh, it's a really bizarre, uh, in a way, kind of very entertaining uh, oddly, um, 80s movie uh, with Penn and Teller, um, mm -hmm. where basically th due to a escalating uh, thing of game of pranks and things that happen in the world, uh, yeah, um, they end up dead at the end, um, fulfilling the title of the film. But uh, um, yeah, if 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 you're anyway interested in odd and really kind of weird 80s movies this might be just uh, something that you might want to check out on youtube the entire movie is on there it's like hour and a half and uh it's just bizarrely funny um so i ended up watching that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but that's uh pretty much all i have to plug right now uh, yeah, I'm just going to, uh, reference a movie I saw with a friend, uh, a couple weeks ago called Safety Not Guaranteed. Uh, oh, definitely. I actually saw yeah. that myself and, uh, it's that been was on my top 10 for Brandon for like the last six months. Uh, finally. Yeah. Audrey Plaza. It. it was a yeah. film that we kind of missed when it was in theaters and, um, yeah, watched it. It was really quite good yeah it's actually um kind of i think people even even reading the premise might sort of be uh like overlook it um but one of the things that it handles really really well a lot of times when you have movies um they'll try to have uh especially movies that are kind of about relationships um for some reason i guess they do this the most but you'll have multiple characters in different stages of that theme 
um, and kind of what's going on in this movie inside of kind of the backdrop of uh, this kind of thing where someone sets out um, uh, a classified ad uh, talking about that they want to go back in time. Um, you have sort of these like three different relationships um, at differing stages of the idea of kind of this perfect thing um, that you remember uh, and you're trying to get back to. And it's really awesome how the movie sort of handles that where you have one couple who it's been years since they kind of had this that kind of situation. You've got like one uh, character who um, is kind of motivated to try to go back in time to kind of see his character. Uh, and then you have um, another character who is basically trying to experience that moment for the very first time. And I just thought the movie was uh, handles all three of those seamlessly. And the only reason I kind of picked up on it um, is just because of my background in writing and just kind of being fascinated by how people are able to kind of weave in and out of that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, as an actual entertainment value movie, it's very cool. Aubrey Plaza from um, Parks and Rec. Uh, does a really great job kind of in her character. I've always been curious to know what's going to happen to her after Parks and Rec because she plays a very, very specific character. And this movie allows her a little bit of range still within that same character, but it is it works really, really well. Yeah, I think, I think she's someone that, that has kind of owns that character that she can you can place her in a lot of different situations and she can do variety of that character it's kind of like you know there's certain actors that just have that certain thing about them but she's still versatile enough she could play you know anyone from you know love interest to a um you know whatever probably even an action person in within that same character yeah. with, with that same personality in a way <laughs> um but yeah safety not guaranteed streaming on netflix now definitely check that out second that and so that brings 119 to a close with a few quick announcements from your sponsors. You can tell your friends that they can find Last Film Standing on iTunes <laughs> via the web and iTunes itself as well as Stitcher.com via their website or various mobile apps where you can subscribe, rate, and review us. And then once again, you can follow myself on Twitter at Lamar Diablo, L-A-M-A-R Diablo. You can follow Zed on Twitter at Last Z Standing. And of course, contact us the new old-fashioned way at feedback at lastfilmstanding.com um, listeners, thanks for listening. And yeah. don't forget, fear is wait, is it real? Not real? Wait. If it happens, if you have it, if you experience it, is it real? It if is. if you if you're afraid in a forest and there's no one there to see you be afraid. Are you afraid? And tell your friends. Thank you.